Welcome to Is This Scary? This is Shelby. This is Phil. This is Zach. Uh, So for this episode, we are finishing up Fear Street with part three, 1666. The devil. (laughs) Wicked guitar solo. (laughs) This was definitely a wrap up. And right from the get-go, we are going to say spoilers. Right. Because it all comes to a head in this, and there's really no way that we can really go into this as much as we would like to without spoiling it. And we don't want to talk about every single scene in the first half, and definitely the second half of the movie. Because mm-hmm. 1666, that portion lays out, um, well, basically the rest of the lore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, huge spoilers. Yeah. So far from part one and part two, we are just getting snippets of just like the curse and everything like that to the point where it's like, okay, we want the whole story. And that's exactly what this film is. Again, if you haven't seen the film and you don't want it completely ruined, go watch it. Come back. Well, actually, if you haven't seen this film, unfortunately, I'm going to tell you that you need to go watch all three and Mm -hmm. then come back to this episode. So I guess if that's you, we'll see in about six hours. All right. (laughs) Bye. Or just listen. And uh, have it spoiled. Exactly. (laughs) So, straight from the get-go, we open up at the bookend 94 part from part two, which is 78. Again, if you haven't watched any of this, what I just said makes no sense. Don't worry Mm -hmm. about it. And Dina has just reunited Seraphir's bones. With her hand. Right. So, Seraphir now has a complete skeleton. And Dina is sucked into Seraphir's memory Mm -hmm. and gets to witness it firsthand. Yeah. She becomes a stand-in for Seraphir. Yeah. With no control, which has to be terrifying. Yeah. She is has to go through every emotion, pain, everything. But yet she... It's not like what we've seen in the past in other films or other stories where, oh, I'm in the past. I can change things. No. You just have to live it. Yeah. She's along for the ride. Exactly. I do gotta say, I like how they used all of the other actors. Yeah. Well, everything. it's but simple we'll for them. Yeah. Well, and the reason they did that is obviously all of these characters are the ancestors of everybody we see in mm-hmm. 94 and 78. Mm-hmm. True. And make- it's, it's easier for casting, too. It's just like, make these are already recognized faces, so we see actors that played Kate and everything like that. And it's like, oh, she's just another village person. We have Sam, her the actress that played her. She is the daughter of the pastor. So it's like, oh, well, right. All these people, we know them. So it's not like very little do we have any new characters. I think Seraphir was the only, Seraphir's father was the only person that I was like, if you're a Stranger Things fan, you're going to know who the actor is. You're going to be like, oh, that's the teacher. But it's like, other than that, there's not really many newer characters. They're not really important. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, but obviously the. The Millers are the Frasers' ancestors. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, which is interesting because they're they're one of the few families who obviously didn't have male heirs all the way down. Yeah. Because like the Bergmans have direct have a direct line. The Goods have a direct line. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I don't know that Mad Thomas is necessarily Tommy Slater's ancestor, True. but could be. Yeah, and the Fears, as we are gonna reveal, they don't. They don't have any... Well, they don't continue. I was going to say, Sarah Fear is the only fear in town, and she's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't she have a a little brother? She's the only... Okay. Let me 
since we're already spoiling the crap out of this. Well, no, her father survives. Yeah. But we don't know if he had any other children. Yeah. But both of the fear kids die. Mm-hmm. By the end of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I about we'll that. get there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, the okay. opening of this what? is is Union. It's the, the yes. small settlement of Union, which is settled right in the divide between what is going to be Sunnyvale and Shadyside. And right. pretty much it just opens. Seraphir is just a working. She's kind of taking care of the household as what teenagers would do in that time. Because her husband is grieving from the loss of the mother. He's just not really her doing dad. Yeah, her father. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, and he's also kind of like, like, he's struggling. He's probably drunk too and just whatever. Not really important. But it's like Sarah's just walking through the town. And you get that feeling. It's like, yeah, they're going to do some shady stuff tonight. <laughs> they're gonna, well, right. Because they have the, the as all of the teenagers in town interact with each mm-hmm. other, they do this call and response mm-hmm. kind of code talk with each other. Yeah, we're going to taste the fruits of the land tonight. The moon right. is high tonight. Until you run into Constance, who's uh, Sadie Sink's character, and mm-hmm. she just does the, ooh, I'm going to. And you're like, hey, shut up. Mm-hmm. got to keep that under wraps. The, the, the adults that probably already know what we're doing will find out what we're doing. Exactly. The adults can't, the adults can't know we're getting high. Mm-hmm. That's not allowed. Off of fermented berries. That they stole from a weird witchy... No, that they bought from the... Borrowed. Borrowed. No, they buy. They they make a deal with her. Kate steals it. That's just my opinion. (laughs) Well, whatever. She's just called the widow anyway. Yeah. Who coincidentally is played by the same actress that plays Mrs. Lane, which Mm -hmm. is fun. Yeah, I like her. She just continues making a crazy old lady. Right. she, She plays the... See, Do- the the harbinger of doom in mm-hmm. seventy eight and sixteen sixty six. That's fun. See, but that's the thing is we know that they didn't buy them because in that situation is when uh, Sarah finds a book of black magic mm-hmm. in the widow's she does heart. find the devil's book when mm-hmm. when fleeing. Yes. Yeah, she she's then very finds that. interested and fascinated. The book it has like the witch's mark in it and it has the name of all the different names of Lucifer and Satan and the. Dukes and generals mm-hmm. of hell and whatnot. Exactly. So, and she goes back to that book several times. She goes, she, no, she reads the book once. Mm-hmm. When she goes back to retrieve the book. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. So she only ever gets to look at it one mm-hmm. time. Yeah. But it kind of, that, what she reads in the book stays with her throughout. It does. Yeah. She, she well, it kind of sears into her brain mm-hmm. because it's pretty intense stuff. Yeah, from that moment of time when she's reading from the book, it's like all hell breaks loose. It's like, okay. Like it's relatively to, quickly. The next morning. Yeah. Well, okay, so anyway. So after fleeing, mm-hmm. they at go the, to the party, party. And, that, and Sarah and Hannah kind of uh, well, skate off. So they arrive at the party. Everyone's drinking Applejack, which is a primitive form of... It's kind of like an apple brandy, moonshine kind of thing. It's this... Homemade booze. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they drink the Applejack, they take the fermented blueberries, and they get all whacked out, hallucinating stuff. And then the guy that... Caleb. Oh, Caleb, who is played by the same actor as Sam's Sunnyside boyfriend from 94, yep. tries to force himself on... Hannah. On, Hannah. Yep. The on, pastor's daughter. Who is Sam. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he pops a boner, and Sarah... 
Dina, points it out to the entire crowd and everybody laughs at him and he gets all sad and depressed and goes home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's when Sarah and Hannah slip off. Mm-hmm. But to do the no that's an, That pops up. Yeah. That's, that is a very important moment. Yes. And then they, they go and it's, this is wrong. Well, does it feel wrong? And then they make out some. And they get seen by multiple people. One being critical. Mad Thomas is, Mad Thomas is the critical them. one. Yeah. yeah. Thomas is our town drunk. My Who hero. also sees himself a bit, as a bit of a prophet. Yeah. In, but he's the only one. Wait, wait, wait. Are you... Who doesn't know the mad drunk person <laughs> in their life that's a prophet? The only person with bad teeth. Walk around Baltimore. <laughs> They're all over the place. So, as we said, Mad Thomas and a few others. Well, we, we definitely know, due to events very close after that, Mad Thomas and Peter both see them make out. So we go to the next morning, and so that- Mad Thomas has made sure that that is already making the rounds. The other thing about it is, at this point in time, the pastor has starting to act a little weird. Mm-hmm. And other big things are around town at this point in time is the food supply and the water supply are destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, because... Already there's links going to Sarah because of her wickedness. And then once the, the well is poisoned and they pull up the, the barrel and they find out that it's her dog. Yeah, it's Sarah's dog. Yeah, yes. her dog's neck has been snapped and it's been thrown out. So their only water supply is poison at this point. So automatically, everybody's eyes is on her. And when she wakes up that morning, she immediately goes to see Hannah. Like Phil said, her dad is sitting in the corner hanging out with some flies and hearing whispers. Always a good sign in this in these movies. Nothing oh, ever goes wrong. Positive sign. Great signs. Mm-hmm. This and, is the happy-go-lucky sign. And then at that moment, Hannah's mom has been out doing her morning chores, and somebody from town has come up and whispered in her ear, because mm-hmm. she grabs Sarah and throws her out of mm-hmm. the house. Yeah. Literally. And so Sarah goes home. She tries to talk to her father. And father, her father, I've been, I was too lenient on you. It was too easy on you. Yeah. Explained how her mom was a kind of... Free spirit. Free spirit. She said that there was power in these lands and everything like that. So the only person that she can really go to as an ally is Solomon, Solomon Good, which is yep. Sheriff's Good's ancestor. Yes. And he, sorry. No, I was just going to say he's the loner. He has a cabin a little bit away from the village. But yet he's still respected because he is an elder in the house and the he, village. He is an elder in the village. We find out that the reason he went off in the woods alone is that some sickness came and took his wife and kids. Yeah. yeah. And he couldn't handle it and couldn't be around people. So he went off and built a cabin in the woods by himself. Yeah. And they are actually so, destined to marry. They are yes. engaged. So the thing about it is during this, uh, this is actually the point in time where Sarah is like really convinced she's the bad luck of the town Mm -hmm. and she's confiding that in solomon Mm -hmm. going hey everything that's going on might be my fault it's It's probably my fault because i'm a lesbian that's what she's (laughs) be like because i I kissed the pastor's daughter and i caused it she's like i'm different i've always been different there's there's something different about me and and he's just kind of like he tries to talk her down yeah he tries he Mm -hmm. for a while you're like this guy's a nice guy like, I really liked his character because it's like... Well, it was the first time that he got to flex his acting chops because uh, earlier, like, Sheriff Good, he's just... He's a kind of shady side character and mm-hmm. that's all we get to see. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you, as you, all cops are. Yeah. 
Because in the first two movies, any interactions that we've had with adult Sheriff Good aren't suspicious or anything. He just seems like a cop that's on the take, which is not surprising in a small town. Yeah, he doesn't believe Mm -hmm. anything you say. He's kind of like, so we're... He just questions you, but tries to play dumb about it. Just like, really? Okay, you're not going to do anything? Fine. I'll just go and take care of it myself. Right. So, keeps going, and as Phil says... So, Sarah's pigs eat their own young. She's convinced the pigs have rabies. She puts them down. We. She goes walking through the town. Everyone's glaring at her. Mm-hmm. You see a guy take a bite of an apple. The apple is mealy and slightly rotten on the inside, so pestilence has come to the town. You see a horse going mad in the middle of the street. Like, so everywhere, crops are failing and a lot, and all the livestock are going insane. If only Sarah wasn't a lesbian, this none of this would happen. <laughs> none of this would happen. And this, I, I liked, I kept on going back to, like, the Salem witch trials and everything like that to this. Because it, that's exactly how it was. I'm like, you just had to, if you were a female or anybody that, mostly female, but there was male witches... As well. Um, if you just walked by and a, just a pig died or somebody in a household just all of a sudden got sick and killed because you just walked by, boom, witch. I mean, to be fair, that's what a lot of this is a reference to. Is exactly. The witch trials. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Which the male male witches have as my favorite story, but that's a different... Oh, yeah. That's for well, I was going to get to this. I actually forgot this point. Thanks, Phil. You're welcome. So the main cinematic, um, the main cinematic inspirations for this movie, there are two sources. It is The Witch and The Crucible. Like mm-hmm. this is obviously yeah. they watched both of those movies and incorporated a lot of elements from them. Which, by the way, two really good source materials. Yeah. I was, <clears throat> I was getting real big witch vibe, the witch vibes for this. Was, that was- well, I mean the the town turning on everybody is straight mm-hmm. out of The Crucible, or the yeah. town turning on a small group of women. It, it's that story. <laughs> no, sorry, the only thing going through my head is it's always the women. <laughs> so, but yeah. Yeah. And a, we, very, a very short period of time. I mean, then. Town meeting. Yeah, town meeting. But then it's like, where's all the children? And then we jump straight to what happens with Pastor Miller. And if you're paying attention, Pastor Miller's the first shady side killer. Like, he's gone down in history as the first person bewitched by Sarah Fear. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah and Solomon, well, everyone's wondering where the kids are. And they go to, uh, they're going to the church, and the church is locked up. Yeah, the church is barricaded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they finally are able to break in, and they find a wonderful scene of children in the pews as the pastor is preaching. It all looks missing like, eyes. It looks like the kids all had their heads bowed until you see the literal pile of eyeballs just right in the middle of the aisle. Yep. Including the pastor. The pastor's eyes are missing too. Right. And among that group, notably, because 12 kids, the pastor kills 12 children right here. Notably, also, Constance Bergman, who is Ziggy's quote-unquote ancestor, and Josh, Sarah's younger brother. Mm-hmm. So it is... Uh, Henry, specifically. Uh, yeah, okay, Henry, you're yeah. right. So Henry, Constance, and 10 other kids from town are dead. Yeah. Maybe if Sarah wasn't a lesbian, this would never have happened. <laughs> and so, for whatever reason, Sarah has gone into the church alone, because good choices. And then Sarah is nearly murdered by the pastor, and Solomon Good kills him with a pitchfork. So he's... Good guy now, Solomon. Yeah, now he's labeled a hero. Yes, Good guy, good. Good guy, good. (laughs) (laughs) That's cheesy and I love it. (laughs) 
Okay, and then we get to the town meeting. And again, we have some of the kids get up and be like, look, nothing happened in the woods because immediately all of the adults in town are like, look, we know what y'all did last night. We were your age. We mm-hmm. used to go party in the woods too. Right. What were you kids messing with? What did you dabble in? What did you do? It's your fault. And, and multiple of them get up and go, look, we were just drinking. We were eating some berries. No biggie. Then Until Peter. Uh, bad guy, Caleb. Claims that oh yeah uh, Sarah and Hannah were are the witches and that yeah that's yeah that's well, the instigation of it yeah well so the reason we mentioned Caleb Caleb and his unfortunate boner earlier he starts the rumor to get revenge on Sarah making fun of him for having inappropriate reactions and he's like and he they were being lesbians and it was terrible and they're doing it right outside the window right now. Because they were <laughs> they were peeking in, and everybody rushes outside and be mm-hmm. just, and the two attempt to flee. Yeah, doesn't work. Well, Sarah gets away. Yeah, yeah. Hannah, Hannah gets captured, and Hannah. I mean, she's she's wrapped up in chains, but they're still considering her as still just like the innocent victim. No, no, not even Hannah's close. Decla- Hannah's uh, at this point. Hannah's uh, declared a witch. Yeah, and she's set to be executed at dawn. But the main course is they need to find Sarah, too. Oh, yeah. She's the main main thing that they're looking for. Well, yeah, because they caught Hannah. If Hannah had gotten away, they would have been looking for them both with Mm -hmm. equal measure. At this point in time, because they're all out looking for Sarah, Sarah breaks into the uh, chapel, professes her love to Hannah, and then dips out. Yeah. Right. Well, so that's a very important scene. So she goes to Hannah. They make out again. Mm -hmm. She says... Okay, well, at this point, they are accusing us of making a pact with Satan. How can going and making a pact with Satan be any worse than our current situation? Yeah. So I'm going to go do it because yeah. it might save our lives. Yeah. If they were yeah. a witch, if they call me yeah. a witch, I'm going to make them a witch. Exactly. So she, so goes, she goes back to the widow's hut. Mm-hmm. Looking for the book and the book is gone. And the, the widow is murdered. dead and her neck and she's been sliced and diced. She looked pretty close to Nicole Brown. Her, like, she was nearly decapitated. Uh-huh. Sorry. Real world old reference. <laughs> There's been a murder. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, she has no idea where to go. So she runs to Solomon's cabin. And Solomon, okay, I know they're looking for you. They'll eventually come by. I need you to go hide in the back room. So she goes and hides in the room with no windows. Everybody in comes room. in the back room and everybody comes by. And Solomon successfully talks them down, talks them out of searching his cabin, which they all really, really, really want to do. Yep. And while this is all going on, Sarah <laughs> finds a tunnel. She does. In fact, she finds the same tunnel that Ziggy came out of at camp, but Nightwing. Nightwing. It's the same tunnel. Yeah. Oh, no, you're right. Uh, it wouldn't. It wasn't Ziggy. It was her sister. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're right, because we'll get Ziggy. to the other Cindy. tunnel. Cindy. It was Cindy, yeah. 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 But is she finds the witch's mark. She finds all the paraphernalia. She finds, she finds the, the book. book. And Solomon's like, hey, how you doing? You find my stuff? <laughs> well, and Solomon comes down and goes, look, everything that happened to me, my family died. Mm-hmm. My farm failed. I have no future. I deserve something good in my life. So right. I went and grabbed it. And if it costs a few and if it costs a few peons lives every now and then, that's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And he looks to Sarah. He oh. will like forget her transgressions forget her sin and everything like that. But he's like, hey, you're kind of, you're wicked like I am. Yeah, yeah you're he, like me. He offers it to Join her. me. Yeah. And she goes, 
I'm nothing like you. Nah, son. Out. Oh, hell no. <laughs> ah, hey, I'm not. Yeah. Huge struggle. I mean. During that struggle. She loses Solomon her hand. <laughs> cuts her hand off on. The stone. On the stone where the big gross Opening. black heart thing mm-hmm. forms later. And. So we actually see. The lore write itself. Yes. Because Solomon gets to rewrite everything that happens. Mm-hmm. Just like the white man. Re- rewriting, rewriting history. No, rewriting history. Rewriting you had history. it right the first time. Uh-huh. <laughs> rewriting history. And I like what they do with this because it kind of does flash back to the part one and part two. Because as we saw with Alice and Sam, whenever they touched the bones or touched the heart the thingy moss. or the moss, they got flashes from Sarah Fear. She was and trying they- to tell them her story she was trying to tell them the truth yes and instead of just like oh seeing an insane witch we're seeing a woman trying to escape with her life but also very pissed off that this guy betrayed her and is the real per the real person behind all these evil things you can't handle the truth exactly uh yeah and she actually when she escapes she uh, actually comes up at the chapel. Mm-hmm. That is where she, and then she is arrested. Yep. She is arrested because Solomon chases her right up out of the chapel. Yep. Trapdoor. Okay, and that trapdoor is the one I meant to talk about. So, fun fact, they connect everything together. Mm-hmm. Because as we find out later in this series, the chapel is built where the main hall Kitchen for, area. Camp, yeah. for Camp Nightwing will be built. And where the mall will be built yep. in 1994. Mm-hmm. And we, which leads everybody us, goes through that trapdoor. Yep, which leads us next to the tree. It does. So Solomon Good shoves Sarah out the door and says, I caught the witch. She sacrificed her hand to Satan. She was trying to gain power. We have to kill her now before her pack can be sealed. Mm-hmm. And then we fast forward to dawn. Both Sarah and Hannah are chained up outside the tree. And Sarah cops for the whole thing. And says, I bewitched Hannah. I'm I'm the only witch in town. Mm-hmm. I did it all. It was me. Right. And with her dying breath, she curses Solomon Good and says, the truth is your curse. I will destroy you. Mm-hmm. I will be the hand. I will be the one. That I will tell your story. Yeah, I will be always right behind you, pretty much. And, and after, the only thing after that, before we jump uh, back in time, is that Lizzie, Isaac, Hannah, and Abigail all grieve Sarah. Yeah. Because they, they know do. the truth. They, and they so, reposition her body. Yep. So then we get the, they wait until nightfall, they dig Sarah up, they carve the message, like the, the long, message, the, Seraphir, whatever, whatever. Yeah, we'll never die or something like and that. And they bury that under the tree. And that's what the Bergman... Yeah, that's what the Bergman sisters find under the tree in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And they take her and bury her in, near a ditch that will become a road in 1994. They bury her... Um, they bury her in a field. They bur- Well, they bury her where the stone is, because that's where the moss originally grows. Because that, right. that was the position where, I guess, the, the love for um, her and Hannah bloomed. And from that, from her words, literally, as we see the passage of time, the moss is spreading. And we see, and then it pops right to... And then we get Fear Street 1994, part two, Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) And we are in the woods. Sheriff Good is about... 
to arrest Dina. Sam shows up. He's able to... I don't even remember what happens. No, isn't it something Josh, like, Josh shows up. Yeah, and it's, isn't it something like they do something with mental illness and they steal the car? Yeah. Yep. Well, that's that's the actual... That's the only big goof that I found in this movie is that the code that they use that uh, you hear after they steal the car is the uh, California code for uh, involuntary uh, mental illness and everything. And they're in Ohio. So about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yep. There you go. Sorry. No, you're good. So, yeah. Josh fakes a mental illness, which distracts good long enough for them to steal his car. And they take off. They Cop cars and ambulances are very easy to steal at the shady side. <laughs> so Sam gets another ride in the trunk when they go because they go pick up Ziggy. Mm-hmm. And they throw Sam. <laughs> they throw Sam in the trunk again because yep. you know. Yep, and they have they have to make a phone call. They do, and he's they they recruit my man. <laughs> they recruit Martin, my man. Yep, Martin at home. Martin. It's great because I love it when they, they pull up outside Martin's house. He's sitting outside smoking a cigarette. And it's little, hey, you want to help us kill Sheriff Good? Let me get my jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and to remind you, Martin is the janitor from the mall from part one who was arrested for stupid reasons. He, he was framed uh, graffitiing the mall. Yes. Yeah. I mean, straight up. He was yeah. framed. Yeah. And and the the funny part is well I say that you don't we don't know as the watcher that he he was framed. Yeah. Oh, he we do in about five minutes. I, that, yeah. I was gonna get to that. <laughs> we, he claims that they're not his, and that's when Good goes. You're right, they're mine. He shows him serious and shows a uh, smiley face. And as a watcher, when that happens, you're like, ah, oh, he's he's messing with Martin. It was Martin's, yeah. Nope, apparently this is all very real. It is. Mm-hmm. So Sheriff Good. Good has been graffitiing Sarah Fear propaganda on the mall for months. So everyone remembers her curse. Mm-hmm. And then when a new killer pops up, uh, it's connected to the Sarah Fear legend. Yep. Yep. And they ju- then it's just elaborate uh, plan of water guns, neon paint. And blood. And blood. Well, real quick, I love the fact that they fill Martin in on everything. And he's just like, this isn't real. This doesn't make any sense. And he goes anyway. Yeah, and he does it anyway. And as it happens, it's just like, oh, no. (laughs) My favorite part is he doesn't believe them, but he goes along for the whole plan. He's just in. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess he didn't have anything better to do. Right. <laughs> right. He's like, okay, is this the only? It might be crazy, but this is the only way that I'm going to get, get payback, uh, payback. So might as well. And I love their plan. It's very easy. I mean, and it's it's very similar to what they did in the high school. Mm-hmm. And the, but they use the gates for the individual <clears throat> stores to lock the individual because they know what's going to happen. Yeah. They know multiple. Killers. They know multiple slashers are going to show up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that's when Martin starts freaking out about it. Yeah. <laughs> Who are those guys? <laughs> exactly. But what I love about this is we get more of the killers and different we ones. That okay. We, yeah. So they set up their whole trap. They get the neon paint lines completed. Ziggy and Martin are completing one chunk of it when the cops show up. Kowalski and the oh, yeah. cop Unknown A. guy. It doesn't matter who. And then... As soon as the two cops show up and they both have a bead on Ziggy and Martin, the milkman killer shows up 
and takes both of the cops out in about oh, yeah. ten seconds. The, the like, guy he is ruthless. The no the no name <laughs> cop just gets a knife to the head, and the and Kowalski. Kowalski turns and starts unloading on him, and he just walks up and, and he just, just guts him. him. <laughs> yeah. Let me rearrange those organs for you. And then literally... And this is the same misnomer that we get that took out the boyfriend and the hospital staff. I guess the cops were quote-unquote in their way because the second the milkman killer is done killing the cops, he ignores Ziggy and Martin. Yeah. As long as as they stay out of his way, he'll just keep on following the blood. Yeah. And which, while all of this is going on, Sam is uh chained up behind a oh she in the food court in, a, in the food court and <laughs> like it looked like yeah. a sabaro's kitchen yeah yeah she's having a night yeah and the whole time she's like growling and struggling and foaming at the mouth mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's at this point i think it's between the milkman the grifter shows up and he's freaking huge and I'm like, I kept on looking at him. I was like, my, he looks like py- what Pyramid Head kind of looks like. He's yeah, just he so, yeah, it's So it's, yeah, it's the Milkman, the Grifter, Camp Nightwing Killer, and Ruby Lane show up. No, Ruby no. Lane comes later. At okay. first, Thomas. it's, uh, yeah, it's Thomas. It's the killer. It's the, uh. Nightwing ske- Killer. No, the Skeleton oh, Killer. Yeah. Skullface. Skullface. Skullface, yeah, that's his name. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right. Because th- afterwards, after, later on, uh, Ruby Lane and the kid shows up. Yeah, little Bobby. Little Bobby. Who I really, there was not, he was not in this enough. I need more. Mm-hmm. I need, I want a side movie just for him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Bobby is so good. Yes. So creepy. But I love what they do with this. At first, they're like, okay, let's just lead them into individual stores. So. Lock, they locked up. Get them locked up. Uh-huh. And then Nick Good shows up. He does. And he makes a beeline for Dina. Which. Real quick, this is a a lot of this plan at this point is from uh, Ziggy mm-hmm. because this is all uh, Carrie mm-hmm. and he they he makes a beeline for uh, uh, Dina and then Dina drops the blood on him and so yeah no Mm-mm. or does they, Ziggy- they they once they get the the killers locked up they kind of just play a moment where everybody kind of disappears and except for Ziggy she's just standing at the tree. And she's, okay. like, playing, oh, yeah. like, okay. hey, like, trying to play, entice right. them a little that, bit. Because they, right. they, yep. they cared for each other back in the 70s. And now it's kind of like, I'm going to play with him. But I'm going to get, I'm going to do him dirty. And that's exactly what she does. She's just standing there by the tree, blah, 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 blah. And then she pulls a carry and pours the blood all yeah. over him. And, and then, then that's when all the others unleash the killers. Because that's the goal at this point. If you take out good, it should stop the curse. But, of course, the killers, for some reason, are very slow at this point, and he just runs down the basement. (laughs) Okay. Not quite straight runs that. Because he does get stabbed in this process. Mm -hmm. Right. So the milkman, again, the milkman gets a ton of action in this movie. Mm -hmm. The milkman gets a good solid stab in his back. Well, it's either him or Skullface. I don't remember. But either way, Nick gets stabbed in the back and Dina follows the blood trail. Mm-hmm. And she goes down a grate, which is the same thing. This is now She's now the third female protagonist to use the same entrance into the tunnels. Mm-hmm. And she follows him down. They have a struggle. He talks about how the, like, at this point, Nick spills the entire good history. And he's like, look. He's monologuing. We deserve this. We have sacrificed for Sunnyvale. We have made sure that blah, 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 blah. He mansplains all the things to her. They get into a struggle, and she forces him to touch the heart. 
the the big gross black not pulsating yet. heart thing. Not yet, because that's what uh, ends up uh, killing him. But he's not dead yet, because we also have the fact that Sam escapes, goes down, oh, yeah. because uh, and gets to D- uh, Dina, and that's when she he uh, Sam finally has some sense knocked into her from yelling at her, uh, being yelled at enough, and then promptly gets thrown hit with a rock and knocked out. Mm-hmm. And that's what leads to because then uh, and then at that same Nick time already there comes back and ambushes right. Dina. Well, and, and then at that same time, isn't that when Ruby Lane shows up and she's... Because do- it, during that time frame, they have to... Everyone else has to deal with the killer, so they decide to shoot them all with the... Uh, right, and they and they kill each other, which is a fun scene. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't last long, but... Well, yeah, they're already all when, dead and they immediately regenerate. That's mm-hmm. when the other two the other two show up. Yeah, Ruby Lane comes for a short, short period of time, and then Bobby kind of just stands there by the bubblegum machine. He doesn't really do much. Doesn't Ruby Lane go for Ziggy? Because I know Ziggy gets into a fight with somebody. I don't remember who. Yeah. 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 Because they all get put into compromising situations. And Mm -hmm. yeah, and so it's literally a race on time between two scenes. Because they have this right. Well, what they have is the scene where Sam is being attacked by Dina, Ziggy is being attacked by Ruby Lane at the same time, and they both end up overcoming their adversaries, Yeah, yep. which buys everybody time on both sides. Uh-huh. And then Dina forces Nick Good's hand onto the black heart, and he gets visions of all of the bad things that have happened because of what the Good family has done. Uh-huh. And then you get this transposition between Dina and Seraphir, and he gets stabbed in the eye. Yep. The Seraphir, I guess, glamour fades away, and Dina has stabbed Nick in the eye and killed him. And up top, all of the slashers disappear. Woo-hoo! The pulsating heart has now, like, it's slowly withered away and disappeared. The witch's mark disappears off of the all ground. The and Sam comes back to normal. Yep. Right, because Sam never got killed, so she... Gets to just go back to her life. Mm-hmm. Although I'm sure she has severe PTSD and will never be fine. Yeah. Eh, we don't know that. Mm-hmm. It's real likely. I mean, the odds are good, but never <laughs> mind. And that's when you have the wonderful moment of them escaping the tunnels into Nick Good's house. Yep. yep. With a, so many goat statues everywhere. <laughs> my my biggest issue isn't, with- isn't a ram. The sim- one of the symbols Ghosts. of Satan. Yes. Yeah. 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 One of my big issues with this scene, in all, all honesty, and I understand he's his family made a pact with the devil. He's rich because of that. But what sheriff lives in a house that big? Exactly. That a doesn't crooked have, sheriff. At literally has no family, no <sighs> nothing. I'm like, <laughs> but I love that scene because they're just like, whoa, it's just like, why are we in this huge house? And then we're, they literally just walk out the door. One of the other rich neighbors across the street is just I'm pretty sure looking. it's Mayor Good. No, because Mayor Good has no ties to the, uh, to the No, home. I'm pretty sure Mayor Good's the one across the street. Oh, very possible. I don't yeah. know. Because if I remember right, because he pulls out and gets hit by a garbage yeah. truck. And then it just starts a whole news case how it's like, oh my gosh, like all of a sudden all of these crime waves in Sunnyvale are happening. It's like... Well, and and Nick is immediately exposed as a serial killer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Nick's the bad guy. Yep. His, the good was the bad. His brother is denying all connections with it. I had no idea. Blah, 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 blah. And then we get the lovely uh, date night between... Uh, yes. Dina drops Josh off at school. Uh, Ziggy goes and reconnects with uh, 
Mrs. Lane. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Josh uh, meets a girl, and they both critique Martin's new invention. And then uh, Dina meets up with Sam and have their cheeseburgers at a Sarah Fears grave. Yep. Yep. And they they make out in the moss. Yeah. And they mark up the grave, saying that she's a good guy. Yeah. Or Sarah. She's Sarah the first Fear was shady, the first, first shady, shady cider. Yeah. And then the camera zooms out, and we pan across the forest, and the credits roll. And then we get the post credit scene. It's the crime scene underneath the mall, and somebody steals the Book of the Devil. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's where we're sitting at with the Fear yep. Street series. Um, Lee Janiak has come out and said, we have plans, we've been writing things. So it's because Phil Grazade and Lee Janiak wrote the first two movies, and they also brought in Kate, Kate Trefry, who I don't, I don't know who she is, but... Mm-hmm. She wrote this movie, but Phil and Lee have both stated that they are still working together. They wouldn't like to continue this series. So they're probably in talks with Netflix now to make mm-hmm. more, which I'm happy about because I liked all three of these movies a whole lot. Yeah. I hope they take their time, talk to R.L. Stein, get some eye pointers from him because there's so many of there's so many of the Fear Street novels that they could really pay homage to. On that note, this is the only movie R.L. Stein was on on uh, set four. Okay. Uh, real quick though, Kate, uh, what is her the last name? Trefry, uh, is known for two other movies. One being How to Be Alone and Souls of Totality. Uh, Souls of Totality. That's okay. It. Okay. Yeah. I my Never brain just stopped. Of those. My brain just stopped. You're fine. Again, Lee and her and Phil and Phil really we don't really know much about them they really come from no experience and they were really able to do a good job with this well they wrote a movie together yes before this Mm -hmm. they they they, okay those two are a long time writing team Mm -hmm. how to be alone has a whopping three actors one of them is Joe uh Keery from Stranger Things nice sorry for that tangent so what was everyone's favorite part of the movie honestly I mean I might have actually liked to spend a little more time in 1666 because the movie runs in at right around two hours and we spend an hour and 15 minutes in 1666 and about 45 minutes for 94 part two and i don't think we needed 45 minutes to wrap up what was going on in 94 especially when they're doing the exact same thing they did in the school the set yeah we didn't it's always fun to hear the offspring but we did not need to listen to keep them separated while they painted stuff and rigged ropes and whatnot. You'd be right. like, yeah, okay, great. Move it along. That would be the one sin I would give this mm-hmm. series is they drag a lot of things out. Like, if all of these movies probably could have been 15 to 20 minutes shorter mm-hmm. and had a, felt tighter. I liked the just having all the as many killers as we could in a very short period of time. I liked oh, right the, the idea end, yeah. of them just killing each other. So I, I liked that idea. That was smart. Yeah, I, I liked that. Just that quick moment. And yeah, it's it's kind of sad because it's like, oh, I want to see more of some of these killers. Like the Grifter and Bobby and stuff like that. We don't really get to see them that like, much. I would love to, and this is a tall order, but I like all the main ones that they focused on so far. I'd love to see a side movie for everybody. Because the Milkman Killer has a lot of potential to be a really good movie. The Grifter is probably, just from the scenes that they showed from him, the Grifter seems like a very Jason-esque oh, yeah. kind of killer. Yeah. The only one, I'm going to be honest, that I don't really have any interest in really seeing is Ruby Lane. 
Yeah, because she I, seems the least interesting. I feel like hers would be very simple. Other than she was, I think, the only one that we are aware of that she killed herself. A lot of the yeah, other killers true. were killed. So I thought that was an interesting twist it on is. her. Maybe she somehow broke the curse and then she woke up and she realized freaked out. what she did. Especially because it was friends and family. It was her fiance or her husband. And yeah. she decided to end her life. So I thought that was an interesting twist with her. But yeah. Um, what about you, Phil? What was your favorite part? I'm caught up probably between three different scenes. One being the killers killing each other. Uh-huh. But also, I really liked the reveal of uh, the two two of uh, the two main reveals of uh, Sarah Fear and Solomon, and them finding uh, the pastor and that whole kill, uh, that whole murder scene. Mm-hmm. I liked the fact that it seemed very strangely innocent when you go in, except everything being barricaded, and then it just be just taking the steps down macabre and getting work. It's one of those pictures where like the picture itself is fine till you stare at it long enough <clears throat> and then you notice everything wrong. Right. And then the other one is where uh Sarah Fear figures everything out. Yeah. I, I really liked that's that, that now, scene. Now while I say I did enjoy the sixteen sixty six portion and I did because mm-hmm. it was a nice slow burn. It was more it was more cerebral. It had a lot more emotion than the other parts because in ninety four you got to see the Sam and Dina's relationship falling apart. And you get to see Sarah and Hannah's relationship in that budding sweet stage where it'd be like, Okay, we're developing a romance. This is and it was very you know, that that part was meant to pull at your emotions and be like, okay, see, this is it's supposed to be sweet and nice and innocent. And then just watch it snowball into hell. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have liked, because that's what I'm saying, there could have been more character development, but I do re- realize that they had to get back to 94 and wrap up the story. Right. Yeah, I get you. And I, my, I will say my biggest complaint about this movie, though, is the fact that everybody in the 1666 portion could not hold on to their accents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's like, what accent are you trying to pull? Or is it trying to be like Old English? Are we talking Irish? I just, like, what? Which one are we trying to do here? And, oh, who plays... The the actress that played Sarah and Dina is... So, Kiana Madeira, who... I really liked her throughout these movies. I thought she did a good job. She became much more likable as the, as the series went on. Uh-huh. She's the biggest sinner for that. Because she either had a decent accent or she had a modern American accent. Because mm-hmm. she roller coastered through dropping that constantly. It's it's hard, especially when you're doing a very emotional piece, whether it's sad or very scared or something like that. It's hard to keep that accent in that. I understand that, but for viewers like me, it every time it she drops your it, ears. It's well, like, no, Ugh. I want to get because, like I said, that's the most emotional part that's the part that it would be easiest for the viewer to connect with mm-hmm. every time she dropped the axe it breaks that pace it it pulls yeah it pulled my immersion every mm-hmm. single time yeah because it's just like look you guys were doing a great job with the immersion you're hitting all these emotional moments it's i'm feeling the things you want me to feel until that happens yeah but i mean if that's my biggest complaint it's a very successful movie mm-hmm. um and wraps it up well. Yeah, that's what it does the best. Is it, it does put wraps, a bow on things. Which it is wraps nice. the story real well. Mm-hmm. It leaves the ability to carry on if they want to, 
but it wraps up everything yeah. real quick. Right. Real nice. I do want to say with the uh, interesting fact and one of the big ties uh, between these movies and the Salem Witch Trials is that the good family name is one of the most prominent names in the uh, uh, Salem Witch Trials. So that's yeah. a fun little fact for you. And horror news for today. What do you got, Phil? So, uh, as everyone who ever meets me, I, I'm a union worker, and I want to point out the fact that the ho- it's now been voted voted upon. Thirty-two, uh, for thirty-two of the Hollywood locals are going to go on strike uh, for safety reasons and burnout reasons and things of that nature. Apparently the safety standards are just not what they should be on set mm-hmm. and people don't care about the the guys behind the scenes as much so they're going on strike. Uh, apparently the turnout to vote was 89.66% uh, of people which roughly totals about 53,411 votes Damn. and 98.68% of those voted yes for the strike. So 52,706 uh, voted yes. So 32 Hollywood unions are going on strike. And I, I'm all about safety. Yeah. I'm all about this. So production on a lot of things are, is going to slow down mm-hmm. and it's going to stop. But you know what? For the safety of the people working, that needs to happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree with that. Um, I got two. Uh, we could be potentially getting a Scream teaser or trailer relatively soon. The release date is going to be in 2022, um, so we might get it. I haven't seen anything. We've seen a lot for like Halloween Kills right now. I don't I'm think we're going to get anything right now for Scream until that has washed out, so probably maybe December we might get something. Because I've known the horror community seems to be pretty focused on one thing at a time oh, yeah. and i think oh, who who does which studio does screen that paramount um, i don't remember new line cinema and mm-hmm. is it miramax it used to be but i don't yeah. i i can't remember regardless anymore. the studio handling scream i think is wisely gonna wait and they're probably gonna wait until after the spooky season is over they're doing some sneaks so the actor who did um, Dewey, uh, they I've seen it a lot on Facebook. Uh, the Matthew Lillard's house, his character for the final scene in Scream One, his house that house is now an air like a Scream theme Airbnb. It's actually very funny, and the actor for Dewey actually did a commercial for it, and it's actually very funny. I was like, man, I want to I want to go stay there. That's awesome. Uh, the other one is the Friday the 13th legal battle is finally done. So now all ownership is now with the screenwriter, Victor Miller, instead of the director, Sean Cunningham. So obviously they're not going to immediately release a whole bunch of things for the Friday the 13th movie or, or games or anything like that. It's going to take their time because they want to make sure, because this has been going on for several years now, they are going to want to take their time before they release anything just to make sure they don't just go into another legal suit. So Right, and I would say that with the, the very poor reception of the 2009 movie, they also don't want to repeat a flop. Yeah. Especially, if y'all can do the math, 2009? Really? Holy crap. So it's been real, that long. So real quick, uh... This screen movie, it's just Paramount. Okay. okay. So just Paramount. That's, yeah. All right. That's about right. Okay, and then so for the last one, following the original Don Mancini uh child's play movie series, we're getting Chucky, which is going to be a eight episode TV show. 
Um, it's following straight off of the end of, yeah, there we go. It's following straight off the end of Cold of Chucky. So Child's Play 7 leads right into this. Mm-hmm. And it's going to premiere on USA and Sci-Fi, or depending on the time, by the time we get this episode out, will have already premiered on October 12th. Yeah. But that's upcoming. And that's interesting because Child's Play is actually one of the few horror series that has a solid storyline that runs through every single movie. Right. It's a cohesive horror series. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this episode. So I'm Zach. I'm Shelby. I'm Phil. Stay spoopy.